You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Welcome back to another edition of Review and Preview, everybody. I'm your host for today's show, Kyle Russo, sitting alongside my co-host, James Montefusco. James, how you doing today, man? Good. Here. Tired. It's only Tuesday. It does not feel like a Tuesday. It feels like it should be like Wednesday. Yeah, this feels like a uh, middle of the week type of vibe. This feels like a Thursday. Please wake up the next morning. Let it be Friday for me as well. Um, yeah. But anyway, folks, we have an action-packed show for you tonight. Later on in the in the show, around 7.45, 7.50, we will be joined by Hank Indictor, part of the Review and Preview brand, his show obviously hitting for the cycle. Coming up on his last couple shows, right, James, as the World Series comes to a start tonight but should be ending some point next week. So yeah. make sure to stay tuned and, and follow along throughout the episode. And we're going to have Hank talk some World Series. He's going to preview some football with us. And Hank, he's a big Ranger fan, as much as some of you may know. James and I are some Islander fans, so a little back-and-forth conversation towards the latter part of the show. But anyway, James, as I alluded to, jam-packed show, and what better way to start off the show than talking about the New York Giants? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh boy. James, you see that's a two now in the win column. That's no I longer do. one. The Giants won a football game, James. It's the amazing. Giants won a football game. When I put that in as the banner before, I'm like, that's correct. We won a game. We The Giants did indeed win a game. They beat the Carolina Panthers on Sunday at 1 o'clock, 25-3. to uh, Very, 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 very slow game. In <sighs> fact, it was a score of 5-3, to three, whopping 5-3. to three, Oh, boy. With a minute left in the third quarter. The offense kind of just uh, – I don't even want to see the offense. The defense for the Giants really kept them in this game and kept them active in this game, having a total of six sacks, Aziz Ojolari having two and a half, having a really, really great start to his rookie career with the New York mm-hmm. Giants. Uh, an interception in this one, I believe, too. In fact, the Carolina Panthers were playing so bad, Sam Donald in particular, that he got benched in the third quarter, and I believe P.J. Walker came in to finish out the rest of the game. Correct. Sam Donald. So – James, in this victory, we'll go through a couple little stats here that we have. Uh, so Daniel Jones, 23 completions out of 33 attempts. Mm-hmm. 203 yards, one touchdown. Oh, okay game. Not not a bad game, but not a not a great game. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Booker, 14 attempts for 51 yards and a touchdown. Darius Slayton coming back after missing the last three, four weeks now. It feels like five receptions, 63 yards. Evan Ingram, six receptions for 44 yards. And Dante Pettis. Five receptions, 39 yards, and a touchdown in this game. James, while this may not have been the most uh, sparkling, show-stopping game, this was a game in which I was talking to you prior to us going live, is that while 
I think a lot of people believe, including myself, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but believe that the Giants aren't going anywhere this season in terms of playoffs. This is a game in which they had to win, especially with their upcoming schedule, in order for them to keep their name relevant, I guess you'd say. That is correct. Yeah. Um, the, it, I had a feeling this game the Giants could have won only because of how bad Carolina's been playing. Um, but I want to take it for granted. Giants have a very upcoming heavy schedule, which um, could make them like two and seven real quick. Um, <laughs> but overall, they played extremely well, at least on the defense side of the ball. I, Daniel Jones did everything. He was a runner, he was a quarterback, and he was wide receiver. So, I mean, there's yeah. nothing else you can do. Um, other than play defense and kick your own field goals. Yeah, Daniel um, Jones did a lot in this game. He, he did do a lot. I'll give him credit. I know that, uh, as you know, James, and uh, as a lot of people have seen over the years of me being on Review and Preview, I've been a doubter of the Giants, what they're capable of doing, and especially Daniel Jones. And listen, it was a good game. It wasn't the best of games for him. It, it would have ni- been nice to see the offense start going a little bit. Like I said earlier, it was a score of 5-3. to three with a minute left in the third quarter. Absolutely nothing going in the entirety of the game on both sides for both Carolina and the New York Giants on the offensive side of the ball. Um, But, yeah, that's really essentially what went down in this game. We have some bad breaking news, it seems like, with every win, a bad thing comes out of it. Jabril Peppers, who, on a defense that wasn't really playing great this year, uh, one of our star safeties, is now out for the year with a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. And Tom was talking about this last week, I believe, on on the last edition of Review and Preview. And he was saying, you know, blaming the maybe the turf as a reason MetLife uh, is one of the most injury-prone stadiums in all of football. ACLs, and again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. But from what I hear, what I know, ACLs, whether it's a, a tendon or, a, or, or, or some type of ligament, it doesn't just snap on you. It's wear and tear over time. And obviously the Giants play a lot of games at MetLife, so maybe that has to do with it some part if you want to be somebody who's blaming the turf. But at the same time, you got to come into question now. Three captains out for the entirety of the year with Blake Martinez with a torn ACL and Nick Gates, obviously, really, really ugly uh, leg fracture. Uh, that was a waste. You can't really count that. But now yeah. with the Will Peppers with another torn ACL for the Giants. Is it just the Giants are going too hard in practice, maybe? Because this is a ridiculous amount of injuries that we've already seen through seven weeks of football. Yeah, I even brought this up. I think I even said it last week that they're going too hard in practice. An ACL, if he tore his ACL Sunday, it would have made sense. Today's Tuesday. Clearly, it must have been in practice. This just doesn't make sense. I understand they need that they want to go hard in practice, but at the same time, the coaches need to realize, um, look at the position we're in. Also, Peppers' contract is up at the end of the year. So are we doing this? Kyle, we're just talking about this. Are we doing the same thing what we did with Landon Collins? He gets hurt. Oh, we let him walk. He now goes, you know, where we can't trade him or can't move him or, you know, does this implicate him? No. I don't know. We'll have to find out. But 
They need to slow it down in practice, especially on the defense. The defense played extremely well this week where they could have honestly taken two days off and came back on the field for Wednesday. Their game's Monday night. Do they not realize they have an extra day of practice if they really wanted to? If they wanted to take Monday and Tuesday off, they have an extra day of practice. Um, The offense, well, you guys need to play a little better. Um, But it's practice. It has to be practice, plain and simple. Yeah, I agree with you, James. I, I don't, I don't disagree with really anything in what you said. I, 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 I think it's full and wholeheartedly the the practice in which they're enduring, because, like I said, these are wear and tear injuries over time that occur, and the fact that they're all happening at the same time as well. Mm-hmm. Again, it's one thing like we talked about earlier, James, before the show started. CJ Board breaks his arm; he can't avoid that. Nick Gates has an ugly, ugly, ugly fractured leg in the game against Washington in week two. But these ligaments and these ACLs, these are these are wear and tear injuries that snap over time of this wear and tear of the rough, gritty practice that we've seen being mm-hmm. posted and talked about by New York Giants players themselves, the coaching staff and the media themselves. So uh you know we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. We're gonna see what this Giants team is really capable of. And it's kind of scary, James, because like you alluded to, forget about Jabril Peppers. Well, actually, let's stick with Jabril for a second. Like you brought up, great point, Landon Collins, same type of situation two, three years ago. Jabril Peppers, NFL trade deadline is next Tuesday. Mm -hmm. He was one of the top candidates potentially, forget about the Giants, but in the entire NFL to get traded as the Giants, like I said earlier, are a team that's two and five. Yes, they won this weekend, but they're not a team that's going anywhere. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be buyers at the deadline. They're going to be sellers at the deadline of anything you would think. And now they just lost the guy in which now they cannot trade. And they lost the guy in a contract year where now come the end of the season, whether it's Dave Gettleman still GMing the Giants at this point in time, we'll see. That's yet to be seen. Or somebody else, we're going to potentially lose your real peppers for nothing. Or we're going to give him a massive contract after being injury prone since he's arrived in a New York Giants uniform the last two, three seasons. Yeah. So just a really, really bad situation uh, right now. If you're a Giants fan, not good. Not good. Mm-hmm. It's football. It's a game of serious contact. Tom, I, I get that 100%. There, there's no doubt about that. But with the amount of injuries that the Giants have gone through themselves this year, you just have to say to yourself, is it really just that Every player, he's saying injuries happen, fellas. It's bad luck. I understand that. I I do. But at the same time, you have to say to yourself, well, noting that the Giants have, especially in practice, have been questioned in the past for going too hard. Sometimes you got to think like this and say to yourself, well, you know, you like the effort. You like the grit. You like the 110% effort every single practice so you get ready for Sunday. But at the same time, by the time Sunday comes around, you have none of your starters. The Giants have had how many starters get injured already this season through seven weeks of football? You've had Saquon out. You've had Slayton out. You've had Shepard out. You've had uh, C.J. Board done for the rest of the year. Shane Lemieux done for the rest of the year. Andrew Thomas. Uh, you've had uh, to the defensive side of the ball. Now you've had Jabril Peppers. The list goes on and on, and I'm, I know I'm missing a bunch more names as well, and we're only through seven weeks. And yeah. these injuries were happening, James, too early in the season, if you remember. 
you know, there's been injuries that have scattered throughout these first seven weeks, but at least five-plus injuries had happened to major players on the Giants through the first three weeks of football. So, again, we'll see what happens as the season progresses. I don't think anything's going to come into question. Like Tom said, it's probably going to be a case of, oh, it's just bad luck, and, and nothing is going to be done in terms of maybe addressing the practice. Because, again, James, we don't know that to be the case. We we base our opinions and statements based off of things that we hear, based mm-hmm. off of what players talk about themselves, uh, based on what uh, – based on what we hear from media platforms and reporters. So, again, as the season progresses, quickly to cover the Carolina Panthers in this game, after starting off the season 3-0, they have now lost their last four games in a row. Matt Rule coming into this game had had some questions, you know, about Sam Darnold uh, in front of the media. He goes that Sam Darnold is our guy. Sam Darnold starts this week and looks terrible to the point where he gets benched midway through the game. So I guess, James, my question to you now, especially the trade deadline approaches, we're hearing rumors that maybe Deshaun Watson is a candidate to be traded to the Carolina Panthers. All these years we blame the Jets for their lack of capability surrounding with Sam Darnold, the talent, surrounding him with the proper offensive line. Mm-hmm. The Jets never had really a competitive defense while he was there. Didn't have a great coaching staff. Is Sam Darnold just is Sam Darnold the issue at this point in time? Is it too early to designate that in his first seven games in a new uniform playing for the Carolina Panthers, or is it just not going to work out? I think it is because he doesn't have his running back behind him. So I would say you get McCaffrey back, you see what happens. Um, He might not be the guy. You know, the same conversation happens at when he was a Jet. You know, is he the guy? Well, you think he was, he wasn't. Then he goes to Reno this season, and then it's now pretty much plateaued and fell off the face of the earth, in a sense, for certain plays. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be a waiting and seeing what happens, ultimately. he had one, This could be a bad game against the Giants, you know. Giants defense went off, had, what, six sacks? Yeah. So, you know, it could be that. I think it's not having a – good running back behind him, but at the same time, I'm also thinking, you know, this just could be a product of Sam Darnold, and this is who he is, a mediocre, if best, quarterback that's going to get you a few wins here and there, but it's not going to carry a team. Yeah, a guy that may lose you more games more than help you win. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, as we know, throughout the years since he's entered the NFL, uh, you know, he's just been, uh, in terms of the offense, Everything runs through him. He's a guy that's capable of getting double-digit receptions for close to 100 yards, receiving touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, and then gets around 20-plus attempts per game rushing the football as well. So he runs the offense solely through a Christian McCaffrey. But at the same time, that doesn't excuse the you know mistakes that Darnold has made in terms of turning over the football the last couple of weeks that McCaffrey has been out. Oh, because great. the Carolina Panthers have put up points uh, prior mm-hmm. to this week. They'd put up 28 points in week four, 18 in week five, and 28 in week six. They just weren't winning football games. Now they put up three in this game, and he gets benched. So now there comes a question in Carolina with their quarterback. But James, switching gears back to the Giants. Giants have a primetime Monday night football game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Kansas City Chiefs are not so hot right now either, James. They're three and four. 
after coming to the season, and, and I myself included, picked this team to repeat and go back to the Super Bowl. But that does not look like that's a possibility right now with how great this AFC West is between the Chargers, the Broncos, and now the Raiders, who lead the AFC West on top of the AFC as a conference as a whole, as stacked as they are. But the Giants are 10-point underdogs in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes took that ugly hit against Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, Tennessee, late in the game on Sunday mm-hmm. after getting absolutely crushed with a final score of 27-3 takes a thigh to the to the head. face and gets his head jolted yeah. backwards and needed help walking off the field. He looked fine on the sidelines afterwards, but maybe comes to question if he's going to be ready to play on Sunday. But, James, in this game, we, we've talked about the gauntlet now for weeks now. This is the gauntlet right here. Obviously, the defense for Kansas City is not great. In fact, it's been pretty terrible this year. Ferocious. The offensive line has been semi-decent, although it's not as great as a lot would have thought it would have been after paying a guy in Thune $80-plus million trading for Orlando Brown Jr. from the Baltimore Ravens to slide in a left tackle for them and and, and be an excellent tackle for them for the foreseeable future. And then obviously having guys like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Mm. But Patrick Mahomes especially. uh, It's almost in a sense we've taken for granted how great he actually is when he throws an interception, it's like the world collapses. Now, don't get me wrong. He's tied, I believe, now with Zach Wilson for most interceptions in the league now this year with nine. Correct. Yeah, I think I believe you're correct. It's not looking good so far in terms of his individual play, but the defense has not necessarily helped him out at all in terms of keeping them competitive in games. In fact, the first couple games of the season, you watch him back, I look at the scores, the only reason why the Chiefs were competitive in those games because he was carrying them offensively. Yeah. So with that being said, James, now we go into Monday night. The Giants play the Chiefs. Who do you have winning? Well, as long as the Manning brothers are doing their side thing, I'm watching the game. Um, I'm watching the game regardless. But um, who do I have winning the game? All right, the Giants are going to take the game. You're going to have the Giants beating the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. As bad as the Chiefs have been, James, I just don't see it. If the Giants beat the Chiefs, that would be the epitome of a game during the season you are not supposed to win by by any stretch of the imagination, and they managed to do so. So if the Giants beat the Chiefs, you're taking me to dinner? Taking you to dinner? I don't know, man. I gotta see you first. I haven't seen you that's in two true, months. That's true. That's true. That's true. You'll have to you'll have to put it on a tab or something, and I'll see you like in two months from now when everything <laughs> calms down a little bit with school, work, and everything. Work, yeah. But uh, I just don't see it happening uh, again with the uh, with the defense getting better. I don't think they're capable of containing Mahomes. I don't think a lot of teams are capable of doing so. And if he starts. To get going, the the Giants are not capable of putting up those types of offensive numbers that the Chiefs are. So I don't think that there's any shot in which they win. We got a couple comments here before we continue. Daniel Bakley only going to get worse when Mahomes' contract gets bigger yearly wise. Uh, not to mention that O line has been underachieving big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy's writing it down, James. He's writing it down in his book. All right, he's writing it down. Yeah. So we'll see ten point underdogs, James. 
and James has the Giants winning in that victory. Are we going to see that same pick in quick picks this week, James, or no? You know, you're just going to have to wait till I f- decide to fill out my quick picks. I'm going to have to wait to see if it was a amazing choice once again by James or just a weird one that you say, why? It could have been an easy win, but not. But, James, <laughs> before we move on to the Jets, real quick with these predictions, let's give a score. So you said the Giants are winning. What do you think the final score is going to be? 21-17. Wow. Okay. Close. Close game? All right. I think that the Chiefs are going to win this game with a whopping score of 35-17, to 17, I will say. All right. We get a few touchdowns and a field goal in there. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll get some stuff at the end. Uh, oh, in garbage time. Quarter. Gar- yeah, garbage time. Garbage, garbage time. time. Oh, okay, meaningless. Yeah, there you go. We'll get something going, and we'll see what happens with the Giants for the rest of the year from that point forward because, like you said before, like we've all said before, they're in the gauntlet, not just with the Chiefs this week. You got Vegas the week after that. You go into a bye, and then, surprise, welcome back to the NFL. You get to play Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So. <laughs> Really fun next Lovely. couple of weeks for this New York Giants team as as multiple players have gone down with injuries. Yeah. And, and the team has just not seemed to turn the corner as much as Giants fans and a lot of people expected them to do after such great drafts and such great free agencies. Um, but we'll see what happens. James, moving on. All right. Another New York football team played this weekend and they did not win. In fact, Oof. they got absolutely blown out. I was gonna say. The New York Jets lose to the New England Patriots in Foxborough with a final score of 54 to 13. 54 to 13. Wow. Um, yeah, you, you have to play pretty bad to, to lose, to lose that they, badly. Do they leave overseas to come to New England, or were they still in wherever the. Yeah, did they, they stay played? in London at that Atlanta yeah. game and didn't show up? I don't know. I don't know. But, James, in this game, speaking of injuries with New York football teams, Zach Wilson goes down an injury that's going to have him out for the next two to four weeks, a PCL injury out at least two to four weeks. So we'll see how long he's out for. James White, I believe. Uh, uh, or what is it? I think it's it's James White or Mike White. I believe no, his name I, is. Let me, let me look it up for us. That way we know it correctly. Let me see what his name is. I, I It's either Mike or James. I know it's one of the two. Mike White. Mike, Mike White, White came in for Zach Wilson towards, I believe, the second quarter of the game. He did not look good at all. 20 no. uh, completions out of 32 attempts, 202 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions in this game. Not a good performance by the Jets' backup quarterback, uh, backup quarterback which leads the Jets. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I think it was yesterday, James, the day before. The Jets traded back for Joe Flacco. They did. So I'm waiting for my waiver wire to pass. That way, hopefully, I pick him up. You're going to pick up Joe Flacco. Listen, I need a quarterback. You're that desperate for a quarterback that well, you're going to pick up Joe Flacco on the New York Jets? All right. Well, all my quarter, all, everybody else's quarterbacks, I'm not trading my top wide receivers for a quarterback. Makes sense. Makes sense. I guess we're in that fantasy point of time right now where we're getting iffy with who we want to let go on our teams. I know I am, as I've lost two weeks in a row right now. Oof. Not very happy about sitting at four and three. Sitting at four and three. Wait, you so lost to Tom. I no, I didn't play. I didn't play Tom. I played. Oh, okay. uh, so last week I lost to uh, Dominic Daniele. For those of you that don't know, obviously a part of the review and preview brand as well. I lost on a last drive of that Buffalo game where he threw a pass, thirty yard pass to Sanders. I lost that game by three points. And this week I got absolutely torched 
by 60 to 70 points, uh, had seven people injured, two on a bye week, and one of my players got injured during the game, and another two of my starters combined for a total of less than two points. So very ugly week for me this week in fantasy games. Jesus, you know, you the, your fantasy team reminds me of how bad the Jets played. Still put up 130 points, even with all that. So I was impressed. Anyway, impressed. moving on, moving back to the Jets. <laughs> read off some stats here. Michael Carter, running back, kind of getting some offensive flow going with the running back, not necessarily the running itself, but in terms of using their running backs a little more. Obviously, they were mm-hmm. down by a lot, so defense kind of laid off the gas. Michael Carter, 11 attempts for 37 yards, but eight receptions for 67 yards. Ty Johnson, six receptions for 65 yards. And Corey Davis, who they add in the offseason from the Tennessee Titans. While the Jets themselves have not looked great this season, Corey Davis has been a, a bright spot on this Jets team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, according four receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown. But moving to the New England Patriots, Mac Jones, and I know that we talked about this a lot going into the uh, going into the season, was that there was a lot of rookie quarterbacks obviously drafted this year, right, James? You have yes. Trey Lance. Zach Wilson, Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones all drafted within the top 15. Mm-hmm. And from the get-go, and I believe I said this, I could be wrong, but I said that Mac Jones was going to be the best because of the situation. And situation Correct. matters. You know, we've seen struggles with Trevor Lawrence. We've seen struggles with Zach Wilson. Trey Lance started the game, but only because of Jimmy Garoppolo getting injured. Jimmy Garoppolo takes over back at the starting quarterback, and Justin Fields has not looked Good. not looked good at all yeah. in his three, four starts since taking over Andy Dalton. But Mac Jones in this game, James completes 24 of 36 passes for 307 yards and two TDs. Damien Harris, 14 rush attempts for 106 rushing yards and two total touchdowns. JJ Taylor, nine attempts for 21 yards and two touchdowns. Brandon Bolden, six receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown. Kendrick Bourne, four receptions for 68 yards, and Nelson Aguilar, two receptions for 51 yards, and a touchdown. So the offense is also progressing with this Patriots team as well because we've seen in the beginning of the season, we've seen so far through the season that their defense is not necessarily the issue. Their offense is in terms of competing offensive-wise, number-wise. And obviously Mm -hmm. this is a game against the Jets, and huge numbers, don't get me wrong, 54 54 points, that's a lot of points by an offense. And – 60 minutes worth of football, only almost a minute, almost a point per minute. But at the same time, they've impressed. They've been surprisingly good this year. I know they only stand at like, uh, I want to say maybe a three and four record. But they've looked, in terms of where they stand compared to the other rookie quarterbacks right now, they've looked pretty good this season. Again, if it wasn't for the AFC being as stacked as they are, maybe the Patriots would be in a better position than they are right now. Patriots are three and four right now, two and one in the division. Yeah, those two wins are against the Jets. Yeah, uh, sure. Tom's got a comment. The Jets coaching staff was a mismatch against the Pats, let alone the players. Tom, don't quote me on this either, but I'm pretty sure Robert Sala said after the game, so almost in a sense, calling out his players, saying that you know if you're not motivated on Sundays as a grown grown man, I don't know what to tell you. I'm pretty sure he said that in a press conference after the game. He's absolutely right. I mean, you are in the National Football League. There is no excuse, whether your quarterback goes down or not, for giving up 54 points on the defensive side of the ball as well, let alone only scoring 13 points in that game. 
But moving on, James, the Jets trade for Flacco. They go into this week. They play the Cincinnati Bengals. We're looking like one of the best teams in the entire AFC right now. They're looking very, very hot. They, they're just coming off a huge win against the Baltimore Ravens in which they defeated them 41-17. Jamar Chase is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Joe Burrow may win Comeback Player of the Year after missing the final eight games of last season after suffering that horrific injury against Chase Young. This is not going to be a pretty game for the Jets, especially without a quarterback. Yeah, it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be, I mean, I hope it's not a blowout, but, I mean, it, it relatively could be another, what was it, 54 to 13? 54 be, to 13. It could be another score like that. I mean, you know, the Bengals just look hot right now, which is great to see. But the Jets, the, the coach are already calling out players. I mean, I, I don't know, man. You know, well, he didn't. Let me. I might have said that wrong. He didn't call out players. Well, not cl- but maybe the team as a whole. As a whole, which okay, if it was the team as a whole, fine. But then you also have to look at your leaders to also help your team to get back on track. And if your leaders aren't doing anything to help your team, I mean, yeah, they lost their quarterback. They, you know, it's just a complete nightmare up in New England. But this weekend really has to be your bounce back weekend to show somewhat of a fight for your fans, for your team, for your teammates and your coach as a whole. Yeah, I know it's not the best position to be put into, but at the same time, you got to make do what works. You see it as a giant next man up mentality. We saw that when we had absolutely no wide receivers and like random guys stepped up. The Jets need the same mentality. Next man up, like bringing Joe Flacco, who's a veteran guy. He won't know the full playbook, but this is a true test for their head coach. Yeah. In my opinion, because the Jets, you know, it seems like year in, year out, always are plagued by the injury bug a little bit. So this is a good test for the head coach. Is he able to get his team back motivated? Is he able to get everybody on somewhat of the same page to, you know, even if the score is 45 to, to 23, at least show some motivation there. You know, I, but that, I don't think they'll get blown out as bad as a 55-13 loss. I do think they will get blown out. Tommy says, don't pick up Flacco. I don't know if James uh, – James, I don't know if he's going to start. I think they might be trading for him just as a backup insurance as a backup, policy. Yeah. So Mike White will probably get the start for the Jets on Sunday against the Bengals. James, I got everything you're saying. I just don't think that they're capable of doing so. Well, I, I know that. Be, I mean – It's just going to be an extremely – difficult task and the offense that the Bengals have in play is the offense that they have between Joe Mixon, Samaji Pirine, uh, CJ Uzama who had a huge game this past weekend, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. It's going to be too much for this defense to go through 60 minutes of that because the offense oh, yeah. is not, the offense for the Jets is not going to be able to stay out on the field. It's just not going to happen. They have yet to establish a solid run game this season. Yep. Uh, the wide receiving core has been extremely questionable. Tom commenting in the comment section, explain to me this because I don't get it. You're barely using Elijah Moore. You're barely, you're not even using Denzel Mims, who was a second round pick last year. Corey Davis only gets four receptions in this game after he was, you know, supposed to be the number one receiver for this team. 
And you're bringing a guy in uh, Matt LaFleur, or Mike LaFleur always mix up the brothers, to run the offense. And, and sitting under Kyle Shanahan for so many years, learning how such a skilled and well-developed offense goes, I my question is I just don't even understand why they don't even go to use any of these weapons. It doesn't make sense to me. I it doesn't because you got all these weapons. I think it's like every year you have all these weapons, you don't want to use them. Well, no, that's that was the thing, James. The Jets haven't had weapons. Now they well, finally do, and they don't use and, them. And they don't use them. Listen, I'm no Jet fan, but it seems like their base is all confusing. Uh, that their GM situation is a lot worse than ours, um, at least from what I can tell. Um, I just don't know if there's a Jeff fan out there that wants to explain it to us, be be your be guest. Um, but I have no answers for you other than um, they're going to lose again this Sunday. And, James, with that being said, tell me a final score prediction, then I'll give you mine. Oof. 35-10. 35-10, wow. James, I don't even I, – I, I That, that might be nice. I don't even – I mean, maybe – a kind of similar situation to what happened this weekend. Obviously not 54 points again. I don't think anybody predicts that. But in terms of the Jets getting some last quarter points just because of how badly they're being blown out, I, I'd, I'd probably agree with you. I might even say I might even say 40 to 10. Yeah, It's, it's not going to be a pretty game this weekend for the Jets. Tommy goes, I totally agree. The play calling has been terrible. Yes, yeah. it has been. Yes, it has been. James, moving on to our next block with these 15 minutes here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be having Hank and Dick there from Hitting for the Cycle come on. He's going to talk to us about some NFL Week 8 matchups to come up, some World Series as that starts tonight, and then to round us off with some New York Rangers and New York Islanders talk, uh, ending the show at around 8.30 tonight. So Hank will be on with the next 15 minutes of show. But James, before that, let's talk about some of the top games that we saw this past weekend. And to be honest with you, we were talking about it before the show. There really were not that many. There really were not that many. There was a lot of blowouts this weekend. There was not a lot of good games whatsoever. There was a lot of blowouts, and most of the close games were between two were between teams te- were between teams. You good? That uh, uh, no, I'm tired. Between teams <laughs> that a lot of people would say don't necessarily have the greatest of chances of making the playoffs or being competitive throughout the remainder of the season. And what I mean by that is like, we see a game in Miami where the Atlanta Falcons hit a game winning field goal, but the Atlanta Falcons and the Miami Dolphins aren't two teams that are really going anywhere this season. Uh, We see a game in the Indianapolis Colts and the San Francisco 49ers. In a, I don't know if you watched it on Sunday night. They were having a, they were having a flash flood, storm, tropical storm over there, and in, 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 uh, in no San Kansas City. no, oh San yeah, San, San Francisco, yeah, downpouring, yeah. absolutely downpouring, uh, downpouring. I believe they had like, I, I think they had like six turnovers or something like that. Something like that. I was watching the game and then wasn't really watching the game. Honestly, Sunday's a complete blur, not just just because it feels like 17 days ago. But, yeah, it was a complete nightmare. And then wasn't it the field? They were talking about the field more than the game at certain points. 
Yeah, because their jerseys by halftime were soaked. soaked. In fact, yeah. you know how like on the sidelines they have like a a, a ball person to hand out uh, to hand out balls because sometimes you know the quarterbacks like to switch up the football. Yeah, so they the get... balls the ball is too obviously in a rain condition like we it's saw on Sunday slick. night too slick. They literally had to take all the footballs out and replace them with all new half uh, replace them with all new footballs coming at a halftime that they kept yep. inside the locker room because all of them were absolutely soaked by the torrential downpour that occurred on Sunday night. Definitely a, I don't want to say a good game, but intriguing. There were some big plays. Michael Pittman Jr. made some good plays. Carson mm-hmm. Wentz looked good at the end of the game. Jonathan Taylor looked really good, really evolving himself as one of the top running backs in football. But some other games, James, that I have on this list here, just a couple games to go through before we uh, bring Hank on. Kansas City versus Tennessee. And this wasn't a good game by any stretch of the imagination in terms of competitiveness, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, back and forth competing, two AFC teams, one coming off a Super Bowl, one coming off, you know, a great playoff run last year in the Tennessee Titans. But great in the sense that the Tennessee Titans, James, were a team that two, three weeks ago lost to the New York Jets. And in the last two weeks, they've put together two wins against the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, who are two of the top teams, let alone the entire AFC, the entire NFL. Yeah. And this was, this was very, very, very impressive to see a team in the Tennessee Titans with the struggles in which they've had earlier on the season to put up tremendous numbers by A.J. Brown finally getting things going with eight receptions, mm-hmm. 130, 133 yards, one TD. Derrick Henry, not only being dominant in the rush game, I don't know if you saw it, he threw a touchdown too. Well, that's the only way he's winning MVP. Yeah, Listen, running back, we don't usually see. We see a lot of the times defensive players, or more likely than not, we see quarterbacks winning the MVP. But now, Derrick Henry is making a good case, especially with this added game this season. Yeah. He and might have the opportunity to break the all-time rushing record for a single season. I hope he can, rush man. Yards. I already mean, has already has 869 total rushing yards with 10 rushing touchdowns through seven weeks of football. Insanity. It's crazy. Crazy Insanity. to think about. Crazy. And, and about. a throwing touchdown. And a throw and a passing touchdown. Yeah, that's what I'm passing. Crazy crazy to think about. But that's where I, I put this game on this list. Obviously, not a competitive game whatsoever. Nope. But in terms of crazy to see just Tennessee kind of getting the swing of things back to that playoff stance and what they were capable of doing. You know, people were talking about their defense just not being capable of doing so. Holding Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs at three points? Phenomenal. That's incredible. I don't care how bad the offensive line has been for the Chiefs, how bad the defense has been. You're holding Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, to three points in a football game? To shut them down completely is just... That's nuts. That is absolutely nuts from a team that, like I said earlier, the defense had absolutely no high hopes, had, in fact, was going to be what some believe was going to be the downfall of this team and, and the ability to stay competitive. And now they're beating the Chiefs and now they're beating the Bills. So that's why I had this game as one of the better games of the week. Another game that I had, again, was another type of blowout game, but really just to show you what's going on in the NFL. The Cincinnati Bengals beat the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore with a whopping score of 41-17. to 
that's when I saw that score scroll along the bottom of the ticker on whatever game I was watching, I was like, oh boy. Um, Fonz, I hope you're okay. Um, you <laughs> I know, care about you. I care about you. I care you. about you. Um, that I, you know, since not surprised the the Ravens have been riding high, so I figured they were coming back down to earth, but I was not expecting them to only score 17 points. I figured that that game would have been a lot closer than what the score says. Oh, absolutely. I thought that was going to be going into this week. I thought that was going to be one of the most competitive and best games of the week. Yeah. As we talked about last week and as we talked about now, now as the outcome, there really weren't that many great games. And going into this week, there really weren't many great games. I had stated that I thought this was going to be the best game of the week. And this had turned out to be, well, it was still a great game offensively to watch. It was terrible. If you're a Ravens fan, it was terrible. If you're really trying to predict who's going to come out of this AFC, because it's really at this point in time, difficult to choose. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be the, Ra- uh, the Raiders? Is it going to be the Ravens now after a huge loss? Is it the Bengals with a massive win now leading the AFC North? Is it going to be a team like the Buffalo Bills losing to a team uh, like the Tennessee Titans who had some questions? The Kansas City Chiefs, what are they? People, I don't know if you've seen it, but some analysts today have excluded the Chiefs from, forget about the Super Bowl, but from even making the playoffs as poorly as they're playing. I mean, which I think that's a little a little far of a stretch. I think they're going to be able to get back to a little bit uh, to, to win some games, but who would have predicted that the chiefs would have been three and four and that Patrick Mahomes would be tied for first in terms of league leading in interceptions this year. Who would have thought that through the first seven weeks of football? Well, the only thing I know is they're going three and five this week. <laughs> James, we could hope and dream, man. I don't, I don't think no, but that's a little bit extreme saying the Chiefs won't make the playoffs. I think they will make the playoffs. It might not be a, a secure spot. It might be a wild card spot. Yeah, I agree. Because, I agree with that. You know, but they have to figure a lot out on that defense, man. If you can't slow down anybody, you can't slow down anybody. Yeah. You know, I agree with you. I agree with you. But in this game, James, Marlon Humphrey is one of the best corners in the league. And he posted after the game, just, you know, he's got to, he said it himself, he's got to work on his craft. Mm-hmm. He gave up over 200 receiving yards to Jamar Chase. 200 receiving yards. Chase finished off with eight receptions, 201 yards, and one TD. One That one TD was 82 yards long. And C.J. Uzama finished the game off with three receptions for 91 yards and two touchdowns. Mixon and P. Ryan combined for over 100 yards, rushing and two touchdowns, one apiece. And Joe Burrow, who Joe Burrow has been – excellent has been yeah. excellent this year through three touchdowns one interception and 416 yards on this Ravens defense wow incredible performance by Joe Burrow against That's the Ravens incredible. against the Ravens team again going to this week the Ravens I believe had the best record in the entire AFC yeah and they were in terms of the NFL they were only standing behind the I want to say the Cardinals who are the only team remaining left it's undefeated mm-hmm Oh, and the rain, uh, and the Rams, and the Rams. and the Bucks, because they and were the five Bucks, and yeah. one as well. But with that being said, uh, an absolutely huge blowout to a divisional rival at home, and the Bengals now take over that first spot in the AFC North. The last Crazy. game, James, here before we move on again, another game that was more of a storyline type of game. It was competitive early on. Detroit really gave the Rams a fight. 
yeah. final score of 28 to 19 in the Rams' favor. Cooper Cup was just too much for this defense for Detroit to handle. Even though they got off to an early lead, I don't know if you watched the game early. Dan Campbell pulled a lot of trick plays out of his pocket between fake punts, uh, running it on fourth down, uh, a bunch of trick plays, getting them up 10 nothing early in the first quarter. And then things just so uh, slowly started to fall for the Detroit Lions and what could have been potentially their first win of the season against the Rams team who has just looked absolutely stellar this year. Matthew Stafford in his first year with the Rams in this game, facing his old team, might I remind you, 28 mm-hmm. completions for 41 up, uh, 28 completions out of 41 attempts, 334 yards and three touchdowns. Cooper Cup has just been absolutely incredible. I think that I read something today. He's on pace to for the most fantasy points. Yeah, to be the greatest fantasy player, have the greatest fantasy season of all time, which Fine is just mind boggling to think about. Oh, you have him? I have him. He I blessed played, my team this week. I I played him this week, so that's why I Oof, lost. I'm it. Sorry. It, was, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. But Cooper Cup in this game, 10 receptions for 156 yards and two touchdowns. Robert Woods having a nice game as well, six receptions for 70 yards. They looked very good. And Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in football, had an interception. The Rams finished off the game with two sacks. And the Detroit Lions, they remain winless. beaten. Wintless, week in and week out, 0-7. Again, we've seen them competitive in numerous games this season. They've just not been able to seal the deal in the last quarter of football games, which is really unfortunate because I think that they do have a good head coach. I think they have some solid pieces like a TJ Hawkinson, uh, DeAndre Swift, who's really good. The defense has looked better. They just cannot find ways to close out games. And that's just what what bad teams do. Mm -hmm. They find ways to lose games, and that's what the Detroit Lions did here giving up a 10 nothing lead, uh, losing with a final score of 28-19. to But, James, with that being said, we have now in the waiting room, we have Hank and Dichter from Hitting from the Cycle. Oh. Hank, happy to have you on here, man. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad I was able to voluntarily join you guys for a little bit of sports talk tonight. I'm very excited. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, man. I don't know if you tuned in early in the, uh, in the show. James and I are both tired. Yep. We're both very tired. But it as always, like we're a Thursday. We are always energized for a Tuesday <laughs> night, a review and preview, when we both have the opportunity to co-host together. Always a fun show. And then Hank, of course, having you on the show, asked you last night. You said, of course, and I was just absolutely ecstatic to have you on with us. We're gonna talk about a couple things tonight, Hank, but first we're gonna start off with some week eight matchups to look forward to ahead going into week eight now. Kyle, before and, you go on, go Hank, ahead. That mm-hmm. new hat you have on? Yes, it is. I like it. I didn't even notice. I, didn't I like it. Give you enough Show it off. Let Show me the give logo. you enough close and personal look at it. Look at that, ladies and gentlemen. I actually is... just picked it up not too long ago. I, I ran into Dom and I saw Tom too. Shout out both you guys for watching. And I figured, you know what? I'm just going to rock this hat on for, for tonight. Why not? It does look nice, man. It does look Looks nice. nice. Sam, I love it. Sam sent a picture in the group chat of her wearing the hat, and I'll tell you, the hat did look nice, and, and yeah. I can't wait to get mine whenever that happens for both James <laughs> and I. I can't wait to get it. Can't but wait to wear it. But, Hank, great job repping the brand tonight. But now moving on, let's preview some NFL Week 8 matchups 
And Hank, I think the biggest game, I think the biggest game of the week is coming this Thursday, or at least what could have been this Thursday. But now we're seeing between the Green Bay Packers and the Arizona Cardinals, not only will the Packers be without Devontae Adams this week because he's on the COVID list, but now Alan Lazard, who's the second receiver on that Green Bay team, is out as well on the COVID list. So let me ask you, Hank, in this game, huge week, eight matchup Thursday night game, playing an undefeated football team. Do the Cardinals remain undefeated or the Green Bay Packers pull out a win? You know what? I don't know about you guys. I'm in on the Cardinals type train. I, I think they're good. I'm, I'm going to say the Cardinals keep their winning streak going. Now, make no mistake, I do think if the Packers had at least one of the two receivers that you mentioned being healthy, I think maybe that have a chance, but I don't know, man. It looks like it's going to be a close game, and it's funny. The Cardinals are really surprising people, and I've been on the Kyler Murray hype frame all along. I think that guy's a talented quarterback. Like yep. He has a lot of similar characteristics to Russell Wilson. Great arm, can run – can run whenever he's in trouble if he needs to. I I like the Cardinals in that matchup. I like the Cardinals a lot too. I've been on the I've been on the Kyler Murray uh, train as well ever since he was drafted. People question if you remember the sequence of events that led up to it, hiring a Cliff Kingsbury and questioning that after you know not being such a great head coach at Texas Tech at the collegiate level, getting a head coaching job. The Cardinals, I believe, finishing off with a third uh, three and thirteen record that year a year after trading up for Josh Rosen in his first season, moving on to Kyler Murray with that first overall selection that year. And he has just been absolutely stellar since. And guys, these offensive weapons, we talk about the lack of offensive weapons in these games for Green Bay. I mean, the list goes on and on with this Cardinals team. Between Kyler Murray being as electric as he is, Chase Edmonds and James Conner, as they are two of the remaining, I guess you'd say, duo running backs, tandems, that have managed to stay healthy this year because it seems like a bunch of these star running backs in football this year have been injured this year. Uh, they've been terrific. Uh, Zach Ertz in his first game had a huge touchdown against the Houston Texans this past weekend. DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. A.J. Green has kind of reestablished himself with a nice role with the Cardinals. Rondell Moore has looked great. Christian Kirk has looked great. This offense is lethal, and the defense has also been terrific. And, Hank, I completely agree with you when I say this. And I'm not a person to doubt Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is one of those quarterbacks that you say to yourself in any situation, it is so hard to bet against him. True. But the Cardinals have been absolutely stellar this year. And I don't think that the win streak is going to end for them this week against the Green Bay Packers. So I'm going to take the Cardinals as well. Good call. Well, I'm being the odd man out. Do it, I'm, taking, I'm taking Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers will have a day. The Cardinals will come falling back to earth. Um, Randall Cobb isn't on that COVID list, is he? He's not. Oh, the emergence of Cobb, the old days of Aaron Rodgers and Cobb. The old I days, baby. They come back. They, they come back Thursday. You guys they better got, watch out. Nobody got, thought about that, but me. So they got to call. First. They got to call Jordy back up. Get him out of retirement. Yeah, they got to get, get a few of the old guys back. Um, but no, um, Cardinals have been looking phenomenal this season. Um. I, I like what they've built. I like how they're playing. I like Kyler Murray, his playing style. It's been phenomenal. Actually, that whole team has been built quite well. Um, it's built around great talent, which as long as they keep 
succeeding and with all that talent and weapons at the wide receiver and tight end, as long as nobody's getting too greedy out there, they'll be fine. Um, But I do think even though with Lazard, with Adams on the COVID list, I do think Randall Cobb is going to be a huge impact a resurgence where it's Rogers and Cobb's old days and they're just going to have a night and Arizona it's going to be a good game. It's going to be close, but Arizona is going to come falling. They're going to get their first L. James, I'd love to not see the Cardinals get their first loss, but I would like to see the old, uh, the old connection between Rogers and Cobb uh, reemerge back with the the offense. It'd and if very- you'd like this even better, Kyle and Hank, that I'm putting that on quick picks. Ooh. Okay. Green Bay okay. is going to win on quick picks. Okay. okay. I like All that. Right. So. All right. All right. Well, not- Go ahead, I'm glad man. we're disagreeing because it makes the quick picks more fun. It does make the quick picks more fun. I've seen the last couple of weeks, a lot of us have agreed with each other. It's made kind of the margin for error very minimal in terms of anybody surpassing people. Listen, all I'm going to say is I'm glad I just barely avoided being in last this month. (laughs) Barely. It's all right. We still have one week left. It's anybody's game, Hank. We still have one week left uh, in the month of October. But moving on, guys, another game that might necessarily not be the best of games, but in terms of meaningful games, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cleveland Browns. Two teams that are an extremely competitive AFC, an extremely competitive AFC North, as we just saw the matchup against the Bengals and the Ravens now being now interchangeably one and two, uh, Bengals actually being one, excuse me, and now the Ravens being two. But with the Steelers having a record of, uh, I want to say, three and three, and the Cleveland Browns having a record of four and three, we've seen a lot of injuries this year for both these teams, especially Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Donovan Peoples-Jones, a bunch of players on the offensive line, a decent amount of players on the defense. They're going up against a Pittsburgh team that has had numerous questions this year. Probably one of the only constants with this team outside of the defense has been the production of Najee Harris. Mm -hmm. Week in and week out, you don't know which Ben Roethlisberger you're going to get. But you also don't know this week if Baker Mayfield is going to be playing or if it's going to be Case Keenum. And we still don't know if Nick Chubb is going to be playing or not either. Although Dearness Johnson last week against the Denver Broncos had a terrific game. But guys, with that being said, who do you have in this matchup, Cleveland or Pittsburgh? I'm going to let you go first. You want me to go first? Um, this, let Hank go. Oh, Hank, you said Hank. I thought you said let me go first. This is a really tough one because you see Cleveland, there. If if Cleveland had everybody healthy for this matchup, I would easily be taking the Browns. I think on paper, this is the better team between the two of them. And I still think that this game is going to be extremely close. That being said, I think the Steelers, because we know Big Ben is kind of a mystery box and you know he's getting up there in age, I think they're going to edge it out by like three. I think it's probably going to be a low-scoring defensive matchup, but I can see Najee Harris having a big running game, and I think that's going to be enough to be the difference. I'm going to take... I'm going to take the Steelers, even though Cleveland's the home team, but just just barely, though. James, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm taking the Steelers. Cleveland has too many question marks, too many injuries. Um, does – I don't know why I forgot his name. Does Baker play? Does Landry play? Odell's out from 
for another few weeks, right? Odell played last week, but he got hurt at like the half, but he came back and played anyway. But he he's dealing with a sh- uh, a lingering shoulder injury. Sure. All right, so Odell really isn't much of a factor then. Um, yeah, I'm taking Pittsburgh. I think even though they're away, I think they'll go off in Cleveland. Cleveland has too many question marks now. We all thought they were a decent team, but now it's they, they got too many question marks. I'm going to go with Cleveland, guys. I'm going to be the odd man out in this case. I think that right. what they proved a lot on last Thursday is that, you know, we talk about it. James, you were talking about it about the Giants. You were talking about the mm-hmm. Jets early in the show. That next man up mentality, and Cleveland really embodies that. And we saw that last week against Denver in a situation where they barely had any receivers. They were also missing David Njoku in that game, one of their starting tight ends. They had no running backs. Dearness Johnson comes in and carries the team on his back, and Case Keenum plays a great enough game, a good enough game to get the W against Denver defense, who going into this week was one of the better defenses in football. Mm-hmm. And the offense wasn't so poor either, but they couldn't get anything going against this Cleveland defense. And that's why I think that when it comes down to it, although Cleveland's missing a lot of pieces, key pieces on offense, I think their defense is going to hold them in this game and force Ben to make some turnovers and some mistakes with the football. So I'm going to take Cleveland in this matchup. All right. But I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh does win this game. Oh, trust me. I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland somehow found a way to win this one either. I mean, look, I picked Cleveland to lose last week against the Broncos. How'd that work out? Yeah. Hank, I did the same thing. I did the (laughs) same thing. I don't think I did. No, you didn't. It was just me and Hank. It was yeah, well, maybe you should, uh, you know, not copy should, Hank's picks sometimes. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. I just got to stop copying people. <laughs> yeah, I'll just pick. I, I'll pick nobody. You know what? I'll call a tie next time, James. That's what I'll do. That way, I don't have to pick anybody because nobody. Perfect. That Actually, one. remove your set. Don't don't answer the quick picks this week. Do, do us all that favor. Don't answer the quick picks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the loser for uh, for this month. You'll see my whole quick picks. I usually have my decision about the games by like Wednesday, but yeah, Kyle, don't stop copying me, man. <laughs> <Not cool. laughs> me and me and uh, me and Tom, we have this ongoing little uh, battle. The first person to fill out the week. If you already check yep. out next week and the week after that, Tom and I both got them filled out already. No, I'm I'm kidding. I don't even I don't even know what your picks are most of the time. I usually have to think long and hard. I don't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, guys, moving on. A couple more games to get through before we move on. Talk about some World Series action because obviously that starts tonight. The Tennessee Titans play the Indianapolis Colts. Another game that is a divisional matchup between the AFC South. The Colts and the Titans started off very poor this season. But, Hank, mm-hmm. we were talking about before bringing you on. The Titans coming off two huge wins against the Buffalo Bills last week, uh, two weeks ago. And the Titans also beating the Kansas City Chiefs, holding the the Chiefs three points on the offensive side of the ball. And now the Colts winning these last two weeks in a row. Granted, it's against a Houston team who was not great and a 49ers team who is not so great either, but still staying competitive. We've seen some bright spots in that offense between Jonathan Taylor being really, really great. Michael Pittman Jr. evolving now in his second year. Who do you think is winning in this matchup? This is another tough one because, like I said, the Colt, like you said, the Colts are starting to finally put the pieces together. The problem is I don't know if it's sustainable. And as for the Titans, 
you know, they, they got to be riding high. I mean, they destroyed the Kansas City Chiefs. They absolutely – they won a pretty close game against the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if they'll get as lucky against the Buffalo Bills if they rematch down the line, but I digress. I really like – well, I, I'm i rooting for the Titans this game, though, for the sake of my passion team because Derek Henry is not running back. But that's the story for another day. I think it'll be a really close one, but you know what? The Titans – had a pretty big one the last time. And you know what? Since the division rival game, you can never really assume despite how good the Titans have been. So I'm going to go with an upset and take the Colts. Nice. And it's, a, it's an mm-hmm. Indianapolis crew. They're the home team, so it might as well. Nice. I do like what I've seen from Wentz so far this season. Again, start off the season slow, but now that Jonathan Taylor has kind of found his role and really evolved as a really great running back, Michael Pittman Jr. as well, some other weapons on the offense. I think T.Y. Hilton will be back this week as well, so another good veteran weapon that they have at their ability. I think Quentin Nelson also came back this week or last week, so that's that's great for them on the offensive line in terms of protection. And we know what their defense brings. They have one of the better defenses in football, the Colts. So, see, this is another thing. We talked about quarterbacks earlier, right? Aaron Rodgers, so hard to bet against him. Well, Derrick Henry has done this season. It is so hard to say that a team will be able to contain him. Mm-hmm. And I and for that reason, I'm going to pick the Tennessee Titans. I love what I've seen from Derrick Henry this year. I love the fact that he's put his name in the in the hat for potentially MVP award. AJ Brown has been fantastic these last two weeks. I don't know if Julio is going to play this week. I think he is playing this week. But if they do have that offensive lineup out there. And Hank, again, with the way the defense has played, too, because you got to remember, going into the season, especially the first couple weeks of football, the Tennessee Titans defense, people were writing off Tennessee because their defense was atrocious. Mm-hmm. They've still managed to win two huge games yeah. because, of their de- and like, because of their defense, forcing Patrick Mahomes to have as many turnovers as he's had. So because of that reason, I'm going to pick the Tennessee Titans in this matchup. They're just going to ride the Henry train to the end zone. And that's how they're going to win. Plain and simple. Plain and simple? Plain and simple. No sugar-coated needed. Derrick Henry is going to carry the Tennessee Titans to a victory against the Indianapolis Colts. Guys. I hope you guys are right. Don't get me wrong. I'm not – I'm more rooting for the Titans because of my fantasy team. I, otherwise, I wouldn't really have an interest at all. Well, Hank, I don't think you gotta, I don't think you got to worry about it. I, I would say it's a safe bet that week in and week out, um, Derrick Henry will have a fantastic week. And week he's and a big out. reason as to why I'm 6-1. and one. Good for you, man. Good for you. <laughs> As I sit here, four and three. Good for you. Yeah, Not too listen, bad, I'm, but I'm three and four, so it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Um, but last game, guys, here real quick: Dallas versus Minnesota. Dallas coming off a bye week, but James sighing <laughs> at, 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 the, at the at the at the hearing of the word Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Didn't well, even, I don't even think I got it off the tip of my tongue before. I think I just said Dallas and you. And you. <laughs> yeah, you just said Dallas. <laughs> well, you, I right here the DL, and I was like, oh, here we go. Well, what, what do you want to see? What do you want to talk about the Cowboys for, Kyle? What well, do I want to talk about it. the Cowboys for? Because I think that while James, you may hate what's going on, Hank. I know as Giants fans, we don't like what's going on in the NFC East with uh, our rival Cowboys team being five and one. They're coming off a bye week, and as much as I don't like to say this. I think this has been one of the best Cowboys teams that we've seen in the last five, six years. I agree with you, Kyle, on that statement. Since, like, I'm talking uh, 
I'm talking when they had Jason Witten and Des Bryant when they're playing the Green Bay Packers in the in the I want to say the round one of the playoffs or the NFC second the second round of the playoffs. Out of when the previous so like round. 2016, 2015. What was it, Hank? 2014, 2015. 2014, okay. 2015. I think this is the best team that we've seen since that point in time. You know, Ezekiel Elliott has declined every year since, and he's looked tremendous. He's looked fantastic. The offensive he line wasn't was even good. on that team. No, he was. That's how. That's no, that how long Mark it's been. Murray. That that's how long Murray's it's been. Best Murray, yeah. Last season with the Cowboys. Yeah, that's how long it's been. But Zeke has looked phenomenal. Tony Pollard has looked great. Dak Prescott, another guy that's in the conversation for uh, MVP. Trayvon Diggs is going to win Defensive Player of the Year at this rate in time. It's just it's it's just him out there by himself. I, I don't even know who who would be second in line in that conversation. Micah Parsons potentially winning uh, uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. The offensive line has been great. We know the three headed monster because I think Gallup is. I'm not sure if Gallup is coming back this week, but eventually he will be coming back. And when that happens, that'll be even scarier between Ceedee Lamb, Gallup, and Amari Cooper. Dalton Schultz has looked great. Point being, Dallas is a great team. They're playing mm-hmm. Minnesota this week, who's been a streaky team. They're three and three. While they've had great wins, they've had some pretty bad losses in terms of last second things that should have gone their way. Again, teams not being able to complete out. So, who do you guys have in this game? Nobody wants to pick the Cowboys. I'm going to let James Bellas. start this one. I'm going to let James start this one this time. I did a PowerPoint. Did, did everybody like Professor Montefusco at least? That you was know. fun, though. I liked it. Um, Even though I, I didn't agree with the fact that they're America's team, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, well, neither did I. I had to make sure everybody understood that point. Um, I'm going with Minnesota. you kidding me? You think I'm going to pick the Cowboys? Yeah, I'm convinced. you would, James, you would pick a – team of all pros against the Dallas Cowboys and you'd still pick up. No, I'm convinced. I said that wrong. I'm convinced you'd pick the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Dallas Cowboys. I'm convinced. Just anybody against the Cowboys. Yeah, I would pick LAU against the Cowboys. Okay. You know what? Despite the talent that the Cowboys have, and make no mistake, they are pretty talented. I don't know if they're quite as good on paper as some of the teams in like maybe the past year or two. I mean, a couple years ago, they really had a good team, but then they fell apart. So there's really, that's kind of a crapshoot, but I do agree that really the best Cowboy team in our lifetime was probably, I would say probably Romo's last good year in 2014. But in any event, Minnesota's the home team. Minnesota's got some talent too. Let's not forget that. And granted, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is an elite quarterback. I don't think he's that. I don't think so. But you still got Justin Jefferson. You still got Adam Thielen. Yep. You still have Delvin Cook. The game is in Minnesota, as I mentioned. I would not be surprised if Minnesota somehow had an upset. And I'm going to be honest. I also think they win games in spite of Mike McCarthy, not because of him. I mean, did you guys watch the Patriots game? Did you see some of his coaching decisions? They, yeah. If they were playing any other team, they would have lost that game. So, Hank, who, who are you picking? You know what? Give me the upset. Skull Vikings in this one. There we go. I knew you Kyle. appreciate that, James. <laughs> Kyle, enjoy, I wanted to scare you guys into thinking I was taking Dallas. That's why I, <laughs> I was being all dramatic. James, you know I can't make it. Uh, you know I can't make it a three sweep. I, I got to <laughs> go with that. And that's why Kyle has left the group. Everybody. That's cool. <laughs> that was cold, man. That was I cold. Kyle and James show. We could do this, man. You know I'm playing. Oh. I know. 
I know you're playing. I know you're playing. It's all love, man. Um, I, I got to go with Dallas. They've they've shown me no reason to really pick against them. We talk about the Cardinals being undefeated. We go back to that week one matchup, their only loss of the season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on opening night. Mm-hmm. That was a winnable game for them if Greg Zerloin doesn't make 10 points worth of like field goals. That was a winnable game. They'd be another undefeated team so far this year, as scary as that is to say. I think that the Dallas Cowboys win this game. Again, they've really just given me no reason to pick against them. That's another game that Mike McCarthy kind of ruins. Yes. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. I do agree ruins. with that. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm telling you guys, Dallas is good. They have a talented roster on paper. But do not, and I mean do not be surprised if Mike McCarthy does something that causes them to lose a bad one. And again, the other reason I'm not too sold in Dallas, I'm still not entirely convinced that Dak is elite. Interesting. Okay. Well, not that's, yet. That's, Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Who knows? All right. I think that is an argument for another day, man, but we don't have yeah. time. No, no, no. I know. I just wanted to bring that well, up. I got you. I got you. I got you. Uh, but moving on, switching gears, uh, switching gears from the field to the diamond as the MLB World Series will go underway. Hank, what time tonight is it going underway? It is starting right about now. First pitch should be going on very shortly. Framber Valdez should be showing the first pitch to Jorge Soler, who is leading off for the Atlanta Braves. And as I have this bat here as a little prop, I am excited for the World Series. You are excited for the World Series, and so am I, Hank, because this is these mm-hmm. are two teams. I would say more so the Braves, uh, a team that not a lot of people had going this far. I'd say Houston, you know, some people had them going this far, uh, but not the Braves, especially the way they started the season. You know, Ronald Acuna Jr. tearing his ACL early mm-hmm. on. Marcelo Zuna, one of their big offseason re-signings, being out for the year. And coming back the way they did and playing the way that they have, they've been a tremendous, you know, I don't want to say underdog story, but yeah, underdog story this year. And the way that they've played this year, now going off in the World Series four games away from winning a World Series championship from where they started off when we look back at April and May. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned that because let's not forget, the Braves are one of the teams that I thought could likely challenge the Dodgers before the season for that national pennant. And one of the big reasons, you still had Ronald Acuna, you had Freddie Freeman who – Oh my gosh, if there's anybody I'm happy for on the Atlanta Braves, it's him. He's played, he's dedicated himself to that team for so long. He's played so many games, and now he finally gets to play in his first World Series game. And as the first pitch of the series is the ball, we are underway. It is now a 1-0 count on Jorge Soler. And then, obviously, they had a lot of bad breaks. You know, the Mm -hmm. injuries, we're not just talking about Acuna. You lost Soroka, who was one of the aces in that pitching staff. And then, remember, they were six games behind the Mets for the NL East. Sorry, yeah. offense that I bring that up. Yeah, it's all right. And you know what? Credit also has to be given to Alex Anthopoulos. He went out during the deadline and made some huge moves. And you know what the scary part about the moves that he made was? He really didn't give up all that much, unless you want to count Pablo Sandoval for Eddie Rosario. In that case, it's still a steal. But you got Rosario. You got back Adam Duvall from the Marlins. You got, who else did you get? You got – why am I drawing a blank? Rosario Duvall, you got Jock Peterson from the yes, Cubs, and they traded from the Cubs. Gosh, yes. that gosh, can you imagine how the Dodgers must feeling? I mean, I think they had a chance to get him back, and they said no. And then yeah. he goes on to have a good series against them. Gosh, how, 
Oh my gosh, it's now one nothing Atlanta. Jorge Soler hit a leadoff home run. Holy cow. What a way to start off the game. I know yeah. uh I think they had some uh they had some footage of B, uh BP last night or, uh, or speaking today, of actually awesome. and he was sitting, acquisitions also. Jorge Soler, that's yeah, another guy that another one from, from 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 Kansas City, right? Speak of the devil. Yeah. yeah. He was so, hitting some absolute bombs in BP I was seeing on social media and right off the bat starts off with a lead-off home run in the World Series. Crazy. So, in other words, what I was trying to say was, as great of a series as Eddie Rosario had, and he had a fantastic series, mm-hmm. a lot of big hits, including that home run in Game mm-hmm. 6 to give the Braves the win. Yeah. Alex Anthopoulos is the one that should be MVP because the Braves had a had a window that started in 2018. They had that unexpected run to the division title that year, lost in the division series to the Dodgers, had that had that really bad loss to the Cardinals in 2019. In fact, they should have won that. They were like a pop fly that was missed by hit by Yachty away from possibly even winning that series. And then you had the absolute meltdown in game five where they gave up 10 runs. And then the next year you play the same Dodgers. You're up three to one. You're within one win of going to the World Series. Then you had like a few missed opportunities and base running mistakes. They Atlanta probably would have been in the same position last year. And now you're up against the Dodger team who – on paper, probably improved from the year before, but unfortunately, the Dodgers ran into bad luck in, of their own. And the Braves, on the other hand, unlike a lot of the other teams that played the Dodgers, they had the experience of being in the postseason, not just being the postseason from playing the Dodgers. Because as I mentioned, they got a taste of LA in 2018. Everyone's going to forget about that. But then they also had the three run lead. They weren't playing around. They had a good lineup, wasn't as talented, but they had the competition that could match the Dodgers. And that's a big reason as to why they're here right now. Hank, I agree yeah. with you 100%. And something I want to get into, because we've obviously talked a decent amount about Atlanta. I, I know for everybody kind of right now, the three of us, this is kind of a bittersweet scenario World Series-wise, as Hank alluded to, James is a Mets fan, mm-hmm. group for the Braves in that instance, and Hank obviously is Yankee fans. You got Houston on the other side of things. So we look at Houston now, Hank, and we've seen a bunch of storylines, right? Uh, especially because of what had taken place, obviously, a couple years ago with the cheating scandal. And you say to yourself now, if you're a team like the Yankees, who kind of got in the midst of that, you know, potentially lost out on a trip to the World Series because of something like that, you look at something two, three years later now, this team going to the World Series, with basically, I don't want to say the same core, but some of the same players that were responsible for going all the way, like an Altuve, a Bregman, uh, an Alvarez, Correa. You know, you look at this team now and you say to yourself, would it have mattered? Are are they just this good of a team? Because we look at this team now, they have been fantastic this year. Mm -hmm. Quietly fantastic. And then in the playoffs – they match up uh, against teams like Boston, and they're just playing lights-out baseball. You see Jordan Alvarez, who is already probably having one of the greatest starts to a young career that I think I've seen in such a long time. I, don't, I can't remember such a great start to a young career. Talk about this Houston team. You know what? I don't like the Astros, but... I'm going to be honest, they're now in New England Patriot territory of the Brooklyn <laughs> The Astros, I, and I'm going to give them credit for this. They seem to be thriving 
on a lot of the hate. Now, make no mistake, I am in no way, shape, or form agreeing with how they went about their success in 2017. And make no mistake, I'm still stung by how that that ALCS turned out. But I mean, at the end of the day, let's not forget the Yankees only scored a combined total of two runs in Houston. That's not going to win them a series either. But nope. in any event, the Astros, it's easy to forget how talented the Astros are. Jose Altuve puts up great numbers. Carlos Correa, you can make a very strong case that he is one of the best shortstops in, in Major League Baseball. And somebody's going to be giving him the bank this offseason. Will it be the Astros? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But again, that remains to be seen. Pitching-wise, they're not quite as dominant as they were in those past few years. I mean, they had Garrett Cole. Obviously, we know where he is now. Justin Verlander had that horrible injury in his arm, and we don't even know if he's going to be pitching again. But you still have Zach Greinke, who obviously isn't quite as dominant in years past, but he still has that veteran savvy that can win the Houston Astros a lot of these big games. And they had some good pitching performances by their starters in the Red Sox series, too. Louis Garcia did not give up a hit until the sixth inning. In fact, the Red Sox didn't really threaten until later. And and when they did, they couldn't cash in on their opportunity. And then if he's healthy, Lance McCullers in their starting rotation is going to be a big return for them. He's actually the only starting pitcher, fun fact, who is on that World Series team in 2017 remaining. Can you believe that? That's crazy to think about how they kind of really, you know, you break down this team. Hank, I don't. I can't recall, but you look at the starting one through nine, maybe a couple pitches along in there. I know you have Bregman, Altuve. I'm pretty sure Gurriel. I'm pretty sure Alvarez. Mm-hmm. How many other players do you really have from that team? Not too many. That's. I think you pretty much named them all. Al- Alvarez wasn't on the 2019 yeah. team, though. He was on the 2019 team. And then also remember he missed 2019. He went through two knee surgeries. So. Yeah. If the Astros didn't really have that scandal surrounding them, and I'm not going to really put Alvarez on that, associate him with them because he wasn't there in 2017 when the whole stuff allegedly started. Like mm-hmm. Alvarez would be a good, would be a nice feel good story. And he had a remarkable series. I still don't understand for the life of me in game five, why when down one, nothing and with a base empty and runners in second and third, why you would even pitch up Alvarez in game five. But Again, that was just a bad mistake. That may have been the turning point of that series, really, for the Astros. Actually, no, I would say the turning point may have been when the Red Sox left nine men on base in the previous game and the Astros ended up tying the series. But, again, I digress. It's it's a really – cheating or not, it's still a really talented lineup. And yeah. the fact that, like, half of your lineup is still remaining from that 2017 World Championship squad, it shows you that, like him or not, the – Jeff Lunau, even though he's been fired, his fingerprints are still on this team. And they, they did a really good job scouting. And again, it, it's a really it's really a shame that the that this whole scandal happened because Kyle I think Tucker forget- too. I forgot about Kyle Tucker. Yes, Kyle Tucker. That's he's been another player. guy that's come up clutch. Yeah. yeah. It's really been a shame too, because remember when the Astros were bad, and I don't mean just bad, they were like laughable. No, they were awful. They were awful. 2014, they yeah. lost like 110 games. They, were yeah. awful. they lost a hundred games for like three consecutive seasons. And they obviously had some minor league system where they were churning out major league players. Like it was a factory, but like, obviously we didn't really see it because the Astros were laughing stock, but you knew something good was on the horizon. So if it wasn't for that whole cheating scandal, like I think they'd be a pretty good story, but 
unfortunately, you know, it is what it is. And again, I don't despise them as much as I did initially when the reports come out. I don't granted. I'm not saying I like them at all. I don't believe as a Yankee fan, but it's just one of those moments where you have to come to the realization that as much as you don't agree with how they went about their success, the Astros are still a talented team. And you know, you don't get to three world series in five years by accident. No cheating or not. Now guys, two quick questions here on the world series. Uh, two, nothing, by the way, two, nothing on un- wow. Austin Riley doubled home Ozzy Albies. So two quick questions here, guys quick. And my first question to you guys is this. Um, and James, you could take this one. If Houston wins this, does it wipe away what they did in the cheating scandal to show that, hey, we were still able to do it with our basically our core pieces that happened in 2017 and only, what, three, four years removed from our championship, they win again? Does that get wiped away or kind of put to the in the put in the put in the rear mirror sort of? I think it depends on who you ask. It gets put in the rear mirror a little bit, but it it will always stay with you knowing you've watched the World Series and didn't know that they were cheating until everything broke. Like some of the stuff that just made sense, like after you like realized, wait, they were cheating when he was holding his jersey. I'm like, usually everybody's ripping off their jersey. He was the one holding on to his jersey. I think it depends on who you ask. Like, my personal opinion, it erases it a little bit because it's still amazing how they, that they were still able to keep pretty much their core around and continue to go back to back even after the cheating scandal where nobody was like, oh, you got to break up the team, whatnot. But also it still puts it up there where it's like these players were here before. They got a ring off of cheating. How do we not know they're doing it again, but in a different way this time around? You know, like they're not banging a trash can or not banging something, but are they leaning on the fence and doing something nonchalantly that the normal three of us aren't catching? You know, maybe a wink of an eye, the amount of times they blink or something. You know, is there something along those lines? Not that I'm saying they are or they aren't. But it also it, it it's it in my opinion it's like if you're a cheater from that it, there's always going to be a mind it, it's always going to stick in your mind are they cheating again at any given day that's my opinion it, it erases it a little bit but it also puts now my thinking what's another way of them cheating it's they like cheat a, it's before. like a, it's like a bad taste in your mouth you, yeah you semi get rid of it but it's still there it's still there correct. Again, I'm going to bring back the New England Patriots because that's another team that you often hear comparisons of the Astros to. And granted, what the Patriots did wasn't nearly as bad as what the Astros did. All they did was like allegedly film stuff at practice. And then there was a lot of other stuff that may or may not have been true regards to them. But in any event, regardless of how the Patriots did the rest of their time with Tom Brady, you knew that they were still going to get accused of cheating one way or another. And sure enough, we all know how Deflategate happened, even though that turned out to be a whole lot of nothing. So, James, you bring up a really good point. I think people are going to have the belief of, you know, guilty until proven innocent with regards to the Astros just because mm-hmm. of what they did in years past. So, in other words, I pretty much agree with you, 
However, I also agree with you for this reason. I think, if anything, them winning the World Series, you know, good for them. But unfortunately, it also kind of makes things worse a little bit because then you'll realize, hey, they could have done this stuff without banging those trash cans and, you know, getting those cameras in there and in the scoreboard. Like, I think it kind of makes things worse in a way because of that. But, you know, in any event, as bad as it's happened, there's cheating's just been a thing in a lot of sports. And, you know, if you really look down into it, it's not just the Astros. There've been, I'm sure there's been a lot of other teams that have tried the trash can method and the camera inside the scoreboard during games to like win games. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not saying it makes it any better or worse. I'm just saying it's, it's just been something that's happened. And, you know, at the end of the day, as much as I won't want to admit it, if they win the world series, I'll still acknowledge them as a good team, but then I'll still probably much like with Barry Bonds and him hitting home runs. He, that guy didn't need to use PEDs. Like look how talented he was with the pirates and the first half of his time with the giants. He was still naturally talented. I'll be thinking the same thing. Why did the Astros need to go into, into the scoreboard and use cameras and get this bat for little trash can? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I, there literally was a reason why I brought this bat out and it was a little, had to to do it. Had to do it. I had to, I had to, but, but guys, with that being said, my, my last question here on the world series, before we wrap this up and quickly talk about some NHL hockey, New York Rangers and New York Islanders, obviously maybe a little bit of an unfair advantage as we're already a, uh, a inning into the game with the Atlanta Braves up two nothing. Who do you guys have winning the World Series, and in how many games? This is a tough one. See, this might surprise you, but had the Dodgers come back and won that series, I would have taken the Astros. Believe it yeah. or not, I would have because I could tell early on that the Dodgers were just exhausted and banged yeah. up. Their like, rotation was exhausted. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. And listen, I'm gonna get more into detail about as to why I'm gonna I'm gonna get more into detail on that tomorrow. I'm gonna do a segment called Top Five Reasons You Can't Blame the Dodgers for Not Repeating. But that you'll <laughs> you're gonna hear more about that tomorrow. What a segment title. Oh yeah, no, it's a it's a it's an homage to an old ESPN classic show, actually. Google you can Google a lot of episodes and you'll see a lot of examples of top five reasons you can't blame so and so for an event happening. But you know, in any event, this is a really tough one. I'm going to say Atlanta wins in seven. Houston, Houston bats are powerful. They yeah. they have the experience in the World Series. They've been here before, but everyone's discounting the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves had a better path to get to the World Series than the Dodgers. The Atlanta Braves yeah. didn't have to. They didn't have to worry about the wild card. They faced a Milwaukee Brewer team that, at one point during the season, I thought was going to be a bigger threat, but then. The more I watch the Brewers and the more I look at their offense, I realize I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them in the World Series as good as their pitching was. And I knew over the and over the course of the second half, I figured the Braves would be a bigger threat because, as I said, they have the experience. It's easy to forget about that. Freddie Freeman's been in, been in so many playoff games. You've got a really good infield. I didn't even mention how good their infield was. It's arguably the best in baseball. And yeah. Even without Soroka, you still have Max Freed, who has been absolute money. Charlie Morton, let's not forget, he's pitched against the Astros before. Remember, he was actually with that 2017 Astros team. And he pitched against them as a member of the Tampa Bay Rays last year and in 2019. So the Astros have been knocking on the door. Or Sorry, not the Astros. The Braves have been knocking on the door for a while now. I think this is going to be their time. I think they went in seven. James, what do you got? 
Short, sweet, Braves seven, 20 years since they've been there. I think they'll take it home. I'm going to say the Braves as well. I say they close it out in six games. So we got a clean sweep of the Atlanta Braves, obviously some different uh, amount of times, meaning how many games to take place. But yeah. clean sweep Atlanta Braves to win the World Series. Guys, real quick, let's talk some New York hockey, the Rangers and the Islanders. Hank, the Rangers stand at a record of 4-2-1 right now and nine points. I believe they lead the Metro at this point in time. They beat. They had a win against Ottawa, three uh, two, uh, and then Saturday. they lose against Calgary mm-hmm. uh, in a one five loss. They're off till Friday. They play Columbus at home. Talk about what you've liked, what you've seen from this Rangers team so far, because I know they started off slow to the season. They had a couple bad losses to both uh, the Capitals to start the season and then Dallas. Yeah, the Rangers. I got a little bit of a different feel from them this year than in years past. They're they're definitely more physical. I like. I like having Gerard Gallant as the new coach. I think he brings a lot of good experience to the table. And I think another thing that stood out to me so far, Igor Shesterkin has absolutely carried the Rangers on his back. I think he must have been motivated after that loss against Dallas. I mean, that was a game where in the first, like, maybe 20, 30 minutes, they looked like they were kind of sluggish coming out of the gate. But then they put up a furious effort. They tied the game, went into overtime. And although they lost in a goal that even – Igor admitted is probably one that he'd like to have back that definitely motivated him. And they won four in a row undefeated on their first road trip of the season. And yeah, that's pretty impressive. And yeah, even the, the fourth game against the senators, that really was a different game than I'm used to seeing. I mean, it was a one o'clock game. You had a two, nothing deficit and really it probably could have been worse. Cause other than like that first goal that Georgiev gave up. And again, those, I think both of those goals were probably ones that he'd like to have back that the fact that he kept, he made it to nothing and kept them in the game for like so long is definitely important, but obviously no one's really going to talk about that with like the comeback they've had. And yeah. they had a lot of heart in that game. Now say what you want about Chris Kreider, like tripping over the goaltender. I don't think that was on purpose. I think his mm-hmm. moment carried them into the, carried him into the Ottawa center's goalie. And fortunately he was in the right place to score that first goal. And then second and third goals really big and, it was one of those comebacks and one of those games that I I haven't really seen a lot of those in the past few years, so it was really amazing. And I think – and, you know, the crazy thing is, yes, they lost 5-1 to Calgary. I, I think they were due for a letdown. Like, they weren't perfect in those four wins. Let's let's not kid ourselves. No. We still haven't seen the best of the Rangers yet. Nope. Nika only has one goal. I think – I would imagine that's got to that's change sooner or later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Panarin has one goal again. Those guys are too talented. I don't think they're going to be like this the whole season. I think eventually, whether it be in November or December, you're going to see them start to get on a roll. And generally speaking, I don't really like to – October is really a tough time to gauge your thoughts on the Rangers because historically that's a month where they've struggled in years past. Like, like look at 2019-2020. They had a really miserable spurt October and November. They lost a really close game – a lot of really close games. And granted, that was a pretty young team. Yeah. That was Adam Fox's rookie year. You still had that was Panarin's first year. That was Shesterkin's first year, right? Yeah. Well, he didn't even get called up till January. Remember that? Yeah, he I didn't. Get, he yeah, been, that's remember, when they started I, winning some games. And I thought he should have been on the roster all that time. That's when they started winning some games in, in January and February. I remember that? Yes, correct. And that was also when the roster kind of started to gel. And I really, really think that if that COVID pandemic didn't happen and didn't wipe out like the entire second half. Now I know they still were in the playoffs, but like 
you look at the whole thing. It wasn't, it was kind of a Mickey Mouse playoff set. You know what I'm saying, trying to say. If they didn't have the whole regular season wiped away, there's a good chance that that squad might have gone on to the playoffs. And whether they really would have or not, who really knows? And I don't want to even think about last year. Last year was last year. The whole the whole setup was brutal. But again, it is what it is. I like their chances this year. I think they're a better team now than they probably were a year or two ago. And I'm not saying that this is a cup team, but I think they'll definitely be a tough team come playoff time. Because now yeah. I think you're you're seeing more of the core together and I really can't wait. And they're they're very physical too. They're not a team that's gonna like much more physical. Them. Much yeah. more physical yeah, than they were. That's they're a combination of both physical and skill, which yeah. honestly that there really wasn't too much I could complain about when they built about built the team. And you look at Tampa Bay, that's how they won their cups. They needed a bit of toughness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with the Rangers, um, before we move on to the Islanders, just couple quick notes with them. I said it last year. I thought that they would have made the playoffs and I thought that they would have been a scary team in the Eastern yeah. conference playoffs last year. And granted, a lot of people blamed Quinn for a lot of things that went wrong. And granted, I, I don't disagree with that statement, but you got to look at it as a whole, look at how many things went wrong with that team last year. Like I, if you tell me the way that COVID-19 affected Mika Zibanejad, the, the long extension for him to get to the point where we know Mika plays the extent, the ex- the extreme that he plays with, the talent that he has, he wasn't Mika Zibanejad for the first two and a half months of the season. And then you were missing Panarin for a little bit of time. You had your goaltenders injured. You had a lot of people injured. But now, Hank, like you said, this is a different year. This team, I think, is going to be one of the scarier teams to represent the East. And I think that they do. I don't want to say they have the chance to compete in the Cup. But I'll tell you this, I would not I would not be surprised if I see them in the Eastern Conference Finals. I would not, because I think no, they're that neither. talented. I think they're that talented. And James, to quickly wrap us up, let's talk about the Islanders real quick. Anything that you've noticed kind of with this team? Obviously kind of hard to get a description with this team. They've had a couple great wins. They've had some bad losses, yep. bad loss against Columbus. Uh, but great win last night and the night before. Last night winning against the Vegas Golden Knights and a shutout, back-to-back shutouts for – Ilya Sorokin as as Varlamov is out right now and hurt. But we talked about this last week, James, when we talked about hockey. We talked about the Islanders. It's kind of, you know, they play 13 games on the road to start the season. That's going to be tough for any team. And so if they get some wins here and have some home home ice advantage come down the stretch when we start moving into the month of November, end of November, and they position themselves in a good position to compete, this is another team where – Honestly, it's it's boom or bust. It's it's championship or bust with this team. Back to back years losing in a game seven against the Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. No, I completely agree with you. Um, boom or bust. They've been on the road. They've been bouncing around. I think in total, their whole first month is going to tally up to like sixteen thousand miles um, from all over the country or somewhere. Um, listen, this team. They've been jumping from time zones, from state to state, from country. So it, it, I knew it was going to be a slow start because they're country. not country. Country. <laughs> country to country. I knew, Canada and the U.S. I knew it was going to be a slow start, but I think they're finally finding their groove. I think it's a good thing they're off for this week. They come back. They play Friday, Saturday. Um, I think they're actually back in New York. Um, so I think that will be good. Get some home rest, some home cooking, you know kind of get a little bit more 
excited for what's to come in less than 20 days, less than a month. Um, when they when they open up UBS arena in Belmont on November 20th, I think this is, this will help them finish their push of traveling for nearly a month to come home, celebrate with their fans. I, I think we're in a good place. We started off slow, but I think we're on the rise, especially our goalie now has shut down two teams, especially the Golden Knights, which is a pretty powerful team um, and not letting up any goals. I would say this. I've been, I'm ecstatic about what the Islanders have to produce this season and what they bring to the table. And I think that they will position themselves right back to where they were last year. The only thing that concerns me with this team is that we've seen early on once again this season is that as great as the game James alluded to, they played last night against the Vegas Golden Knights, they were outshot 42 to 26. And that's a little concerning. Again, they still manage in these games, people have questioned the ability to do so. The Islanders have been a team that's been able to, while still managing to be outshot by almost 20 shots, they still managed to get the victory, not only get the victory, but get a shutout victory. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens as the season progresses. I think both both teams, both the Islanders and New York Rangers, when we get around April and we can get around May playoff time, I think those are going to be two highly competitive teams that could be very scary to represent the East, no doubt about it. But guys, any final words here before we before I close out? Honestly, it's I know it's really early, but it's it's the Rangers by far the one team I have that I'm actually looking forward to watching on a daily basis. And (laughs) that's probably I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But you guys know, despite the fact that I do a baseball show and I do an NFL show with Tom, you guys know I love hockey just as much as the other two sports. It's a lot of fun. And again, this is a Rangers team that's really been slowly developing over the past few years and. Hopefully this is the first year we can, where they we start to see signs of them putting it together. And again, time will tell. I'm just I'm just really excited and I'm looking forward to seeing some games against the Islanders. And hopefully I get a chance to check out your new year. And I hear it looks pretty nice. Yeah, Tom yeah. was telling us. He's actually he told us November 16th, you guys are going to a, a Ranger game. That'll be exciting. Yes, we are. And um on Friday I'll actually be at the garden again for the first time in like what 600 days. Because remember, up until the pandemic, I used to go to games pretty frequently, and now I'm probably going to slowly get back into doing that this year. So it'll be a lot of fun. I miss going to the Garden. As much as I love Yankee Stadium, I think NHL games is the best sport to see live, in my honest opinion. It's a whole different – I agree. It really is. I've been to basketball games. I've been to football – I've been to a football game. I've been to baseball games. There is nothing like 60 minutes worth of hockey inside an arena. Nothing like it. Last game I went to was the Mika five-goal game, actually. Oh, what a good one. To, That's how to go long ago it was. Yeah. Long time ago. Long time ago. But, guys, with that being said, Hank, thank you for joining both James and I tonight on Review and Pre. We really do appreciate appreciate the insight across baseball, football, and hockey, obviously, as we just wrapped up. Thank you all to listen that stay tuned throughout the full uh, hour and 40 minutes of this edition <laughs> of Review and Preview. Thank you all for listening. Have a great night, everybody. Kyle Russo, James Montefusco, and Hank and Dick are signing off. Enjoy the rest of your night.